This is the 72nd episode of Stockholm Legacy Report, a podcast about paper and legacy. My name is Victor Bernhardt. With me today is my dear co-host Christopher Wikström. Robinson Sen is out for Christmas and boy do we miss him. Warm welcome to you, dear listener. Warm welcome indeed and happy holidays. I guess this will release somewhere between Christmas and New Year, so... I hope you're having a good one. Yeah, me too. Stockholm Legacy Report can be found every time we release on the Top Decked app. This episode, we will talk about Christopher's recent run at a weekend tournament at our local game store, Alpha Spiel. So, no need to wait. Let's jump right in. Firstly, Christopher, what deck did you play? So, yeah, this was a 32-player tournament. I think it's called an RCQ. Yeah, I think the winner got something to play uh, some standard event in Italy or something. I don't know what's in standard, so I was just there for the legacy and meet friends and stuff. So, of course, I sleeved up Aluren. Big shocker. Big shocker, right here. I made some small adjustments to the deck to try and metagame Big a shocker. Bit. Big shocker. And it worked out pretty pretty nice. Yeah. I'll run through the list super quick. Sure, sure. So it was one Bayou, two Trop, one Underground Sea, four Misty, four Polluted, and two Verdant Catacombs, and then six Snow-Covered Basics, uh, three Island, two Forest, and, and a Swamp. So what I was afraid of at this tournament was Delver, Initiative, and Reanimator, because we've seen a lot of Reanimator recently. I decided to not go for the shardless agents that I usually play. So my creature suite is two Elder Chandler, four Baleful Strix, four Ice Fang Quattle, two Birds of Paradise, two Brazen Borrower, three Cavern Harpy, a full playset of Endurance in the main, mm-hmm. three Uro, and then the instant and sorceries was two Abrupt Decay, four Brainstorm, four Force of Will, and three Ponder, and pair that with three Aluren, and we got the main deck. Wow, four main deck Endurance. That's a statement, bro. My idea was Endurance is really good against Delver. Sure. I have a pretty scary reanimate the matchup. Yeah. But with four Endurance in the main, it's not impossible to steal game one. Also against initiative decks, it's really nice to have that flash threat that's bigger than a White Plume Adventurer. And you're also rocking it with eight Strixes. So stealing the initiative is, is the goal sort of. The sideboard was a bit all over the place. I tried to make it as streamlined as possible with a free carpet, two Veil of Summer, two Plague Engineer, two Pernicious Deed, two Grist the Hunger Tide, two Force of Negation, and two Mind Break Trap. So this was also very focused to be good against Reanimator, Delver, and initiative. That was my my deck list, and it was. Uh, I'm, I don't regret it. it. Was a pretty nice choice for the weekend. Well, you sit down, all sleeved up and ready to go with your four main deck endurances in round one, and you face down eight cost. This opponent was uh, super friendly. I believe they hadn't played a legacy in in quite a while, and we're getting back into it. But they did have the Kappa Cannoneers and size and Emerys and stuff like that. So it was a, a fully-fledged 8-cast uh, deck. And it's always scary when 8-cast was the, the new hotness. There was a lot of, you know, Seeds of Innocence and stuff like that to, to combat that. But my way of combating it is just sticking a Luren and getting there. Sure. Which I got to do in in both games. I think it's kind of hard if they don't get their engine going 
super fast, it's kind of hard for them to deal with the card advantage. Then when you're also sideboarding in, you know, your pernicious deeds and stuff like that, they kind of have to fight on two angles, which is usually it feels like Aluren is the deck that has to stick Aluren because you can't fight with their fair plan. Uh, you know, Kappa, Kenner, and Sai. Mm-hmm. All of your small dorks doesn't really matter when they have an army of fopters that can just block them forever. Of course. But with Pernicious Deed and stuff like that, you're totally changing the dynamic of the matchup. So yeah, yeah it was a pretty nice 2-0. I love Pernicious Deed. Yeah, same. It's. Uh, I think it's it's probably one of my top five Magic the Gathering cards. Seriously, it, it's gorgeous. That's, that's kind of like why I really love Hiretsugu, because it's like... Grixis get a, v- a lesser good version, according sure. to me, of Pernicious Deed, but it's still like close enough. Right. So round two comes up. You sit down against Helm Combo. I love this. Yeah. So this was the. Uh, there are some, you know, mono black Helm combo decks out there. The person I played against is a very friendly person who's uh, plays at our LGS quite a bit. They had a white splash in the deck for rest in peace yeah i'm not sure i'm trying to remember i the only white card i saw was uh, swords to plowshares and uh, post sideboard i saw some disenchants oh wow it was pretty much a mono black list before we sat down and playing my opponent was like i always have such a bad matchup against you like no matter what (laughs) deck i play you're like it's because my deck is good against every other deck (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's the secret sauce. Like, yeah, it's actually good against everything. In game one, I just drew too many cards, uh, countered too many of his relevant spells, and managed to land a juicy grist in game two, uh, and eventually just, you know, got there with damage. I I didn't see Helm, like the actual card, Helm of Obedience in game one, but I did see like one or two dotty Voidwalkers. My alarm went off, and I was like, I should bring in force a negation just to cover up some extra yeah like i got to force a negate a helm of obedience in game two so that was worth it well sweet so on to round three now we're getting into meta deck territory blue red delver yeah and this is a person who plays at our lgs quite a bit as well ranging from like i've seen this person on the cascade rhino deck at our lgs quite recently but mostly this person plays some sort of jeskai control or blue red delver and there's been a lot of blue red delver recently so when i saw the pairings i was pretty excited because i have like i said four endurance and eight strixes that's not what what you want to see (laughs) when you're uh, trying to resolve uh, well when you're trying to hit in with uh, dragon raid chandler and stuff like like that in our game one i think when i won i had four strixes and free endurance in play my opponent had a, a six six a six six merc tide that could never attack because i was just swinging with two strixes at the time and yeah game two was in a pretty similar fashion my opponent didn't present a clock so I got to stick a carpet of flowers and just eventually run my opponent out of cards. So that was uh, very nice. So yeah, that was also 2-0. So 2-0, 2-0, 2-0. You got to feel pretty good about yourself at this point. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like at this point also, when you're 3-0 and it's a five-round Swiss, you usually feel like you can double draw into top eight. But you did not, because round four you played Naya Depths. That's true. So I was facing off against one of the people who were 2-0-1. So my opponent could not draw. 
I like this approach. You have to actually play your, play your way into... You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I also think that this matchup is pretty good for Aluren. So, like, I didn't know what, what my opponent was on, but after, like, two turns, or one turn even, I was like, yeah, okay, I just need to play this game like this. Which is what? Which is all of the pressure to do something is on the opponent. I just have to don't die. So it's 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 quite nice, you know. Their best plan of attack is either Minsk or Boo, because the hamsters, like, they're glad to trade with a Quattle or, or a Strix, or go hard with uh, Marit. But the problem is you're playing against a deck that draws more cards than you and does have a combo kill. So you always have to be as efficient as possible in closing the game and not getting, you know, incremental advantages. Because against a deck like this, it doesn't really matter if I get to four mana and have some sort of action. The game just ends there. It's really on the opponent. And those are the games that I really prefer the most to play. Delver is the same. Like The pressure to close the game is on them because eventually I'm going to reach a critical mass where it doesn't matter how much card advantage they have built up if they're not a blue deck or doesn't have a, a strong clock. So in game one, that's exactly what happens. We're both drawing a lot of cards. My opponent resolves a Sylvan. I just play some creatures and resolve an Allure and then kill him. But in game two, there's some fight in my opponent. We have some pretty pretty heavy beats. I, I think my opponent makes a Marit. Uh, I mult to six and I put a Edder Chandler on the bottom. My opponent makes a pretty fast Marit which I now wish I would have kept that Edder Chandler for so I could have bounced it. But after some shunt blocks I do die from from Merit and a really big knight. <laughs> you know, they go hand in hand. Like, uh, either you just give the Marit uh, Sejiri step protection or you just keep on bashing in with giant creatures. Going into game three, my opponent, I, I kind of feel like we're both multi six and my opponent has a really fast hand to make Marit. But I realized how I lose from game two. So I just keep a hand that will disrupt any of that stuff from happening. Yeah. My opponent do actually go for a, a pretty quick, I, I think, turn three, end of turn Marit, which I just get to Brazen Borrower. And they had mulled to get the combo. So after that, they're down to one land and uh, one Mox Diamond. So after the Brazen Borrower, I also decay his Mox Diamond. Ooh. While while I'm sitting at freelance or something like that. Sinkhole. Or four, four maybe even. Yeah, so it's a, it's a really nice sinkhole. And then it's just a slow death from there. Yeah, I mean, it feels like you have all the time in the world once you've interrupted the combo with your deck. I mean, you can just sort of... I will kill you in 10 turns, but I, it's inevitable because you just have so much advantage. You're so far ahead if they are sitting on a land and a diamond. Yeah, and, and especially, like, if you just look at... I think they crop rotated to get the combo out as well. There's a lot of, you know, cards going into that attempt of closing sure. the game. After that, it was just, like... A, a slow grind like i i played the petty theft like uh, the brazen borrower from exile and just started attacking slowly i had an alluren in hand but not the double green so i was just yeah, i'm just gonna play some strixes and you know close the game the old-fashioned way so yeah that was a 2-1 so you're 4-0 oh 
eight and one in games and you drew intentionally round five into top eight i'm sitting next to uh, oh well across a player who has placed quite good in our like local league recently plays a lot of reanimator this is the person that i got to stifle stifle kill with uh, canadian but we've played it twice in our league and he we're one one in games in total but we're 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 both for four and oh and we're on, we're the only four no players in the room so we're like let's draw and be number one and number two in the swiss so we did that. Well, it's nice. I mean, every time you mention that sort of stifle game, I get some eczema in my sort of the back of my eye lobes. But you know, thank you for that. It's a, it's a you you gotta rem, you gotta keep them honest, right? Quarterfinals. Another, I guess, a reanimator player sits down across of you. Two reanimators in top eight. You, you weren't joking when we were saying it's uh, popping up a lot locally. It's also funny. Like if you go and look at the results from this tournament, there are I can, I could quickly mention what the top decks were. Sure. So we had two blue red delver, two reanimator, Gustav Bystet, which we had on the cast, a Swedish national champ, was also in the top eight with Maverick. We had me on Luren, and then we had a four color Cenif deck and a Lance player. So. To, to Delver, to Reanimator. <laughs> so when I made my meta call for the tournament, it panned out pretty nice. Not wrong. All of the initiative players were eliminated before the top eight. And that's, we, we have been talking about this a bit, you know. Where, uh, like, uh, how how can one stop a deck like uh, Initiative? Like, Delver is a really good choice, uh, but we don't really play that much Delver at our LGS. No. But there were quite a large number of Delver players in the room. And I think we're also used to this kind of shenanigans in mid-range hell. I think Delver was the most popular deck in the room. Mm. Robin played it as well. Oh, yeah. So I played against the other reanimator in the top eight. And this is also a very friendly person, listener to the podcast. I was a second seed going into top eight. So I get to decide to be on the play, which is great. I know that he's on reanimator and he knows that I'm on a learn. I keep a hand with, you know, some, some quattro, an endurance, a force of will. He feels like he has to go for the combo fast in game one. And I get to endurance him two or three turns later. He has rebuilt and he goes for it again. And I second endurance him. It's super rough. So in game two, I get to, you know, bring out some of the cards that I don't feel are super necessary. Like Abrupt Decay is good against specifically like Animate Dead. Yeah, but that's too narrow. That's too narrow. So I'm looking at what cards I can, you know, take out. I think I I cut some Uro, the Decays and the Harpy. Or maybe, no, I cut the Allurance. Yeah, I was going to say, Allurance, you don't need that one to win here. Yeah, exactly. And I just bring in Force of Negation, Grist even, uh, Mind Break Trap, and Veil of Summers. My opponent molds to five. There you have it. And I have Mind Break Trap, Force, Endurance in my seven. He goes for a fast reanimation again, but not, you know free spells on a turn so i don't get to use my mind break trap but i do get to use my endurance eventually you know we get into a situation i, I my opponent went for a for a line with exhume so i even got to get my clock into play i got to evoke it and then get it in for free and uh, eventually i i'm up to four mana so i'm 
I drew my second mind break trap and I'm just sitting there like, I'm just going to hard cast these and keep on beating them with endurance. So yeah, 2-0, that was pretty nice. indeed then we go into the semi-finals top four and you sit down across that yorion four color zenith deck you talked about yeah and this is kind of funny like the program that they ran the tournament for kind of bugged out so i started playing against the lands player and we played our first turn before they were like oh it messed up, so you're gonna play over there instead. I do think that it's a better matchup for me, like Lance, but I do feel so sorry for my opponent who had like the most insane start ever out of Lance. It was Mox Diamond, Exploration, Land, and one of them was a Fetch and an Ursa Saga or something like that. It was just insane. And the cards, like the two cards left in their hand was, I think, I can't remember exactly, but I think Sylvan Library and Loam. And I was like, man. <laughs> yeah, and like my opponent, uh, before they were like, yeah, this is the wrong, uh, you're going to go over there and play. My opponent took a a picture of that <laughs> turn one and i was like yeah that's pretty equivalent to a belcher kill turn one so instead i sit up against my four color control player on the blue cnif build that some people call it this is a, a grind fest my opponent reveals yorion we both start cantripping a bit but it's getting super dry for me you know i i mulled to six i think Two cantrips, a quattle, and an uro uh, cast, and I'm still at free lands. So it doesn't take too long for my opponent from there to actually close the game, you know? All you need to do is resolve your own uro, mm -hmm. maybe a minskimbu or something like that. Yeah. Um, so I lose game one. It's pretty rough. In game two, I have a, a much more solid hand. I see some cantrips, but I also see some some ways, you know, to potentially close the game down the line. We do trade some resources back and forth, and at uh, five mana, I play a an Aluren, which my opponent tanks for a bit and then plays a Force of Will, and I jam a Veil of Summer. My opponent force negates that. Okay, I just got four cards out of my opponent's hand. That's great. I'm at five mana. I have four cards in hand. My opponent has three. So my opponent draws a card, plays a land, and uh, I think gets Yorion to his hand or something like that. Or, yeah, no, uh, plays a wasteland and wastes me and then gets Yorion to their hand. And I'm like, I'm still at four mana. Untap, jam second Aluren, ask if they have a counter spell. They do not, and... That's the game. It was it was kind of nice. Like I was thinking about not using the veil that turn, maybe using the veil the next turn. But somewhere in my head, I was like, what happens if this veil is not necessary in the next turn? What if something unpredictable happens? Which happened? Like they wastelanded me out of five mana. So it was really nice that I did play it the turn before. It was not an attempt to close the game quicker. I think it was just the opportunity cost is so low of using it now. Yeah. So yeah, that that did 
play out really good. And you did draw out four cards, I mean. Yeah, exactly. And if they wouldn't have had it, I wouldn't have gotten the extra card from Vale and killed them. Yeah. <laughs> it's very, very low. Low uh, risk, high risk. reward. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> make the play. <laughs> yeah, make the play. So far, game three, I'm on the mull train again. I think I mulled to six or five. Like the lands were not to be found. And uh, we start playing maybe four or five turns in. I'm stuck at lands. <laughs> and my opponent just keeps on playing a lot of a lot of cantrips, a lot of, you know, Uros and stuff like that. And I just can't for for the life for my life find my fourth land first and then my fifth land. If I would have found my fifth land and it would have been a a green source of the top, I would have been able to play Aluren with Veil and Force Backup with Harpy Uro in hand. But, uh, you know, sometimes the deck needs to fall apart and eventually my opponent does win by just doing some, I think, hamster things with Minsk and Uro. I did get to play a pernicious deed when I only had freelance in play and I did get to blow out a Birds of Paradise, two Quattles and an Uro. So that was at least an attempt to buy time. That's a win. Yeah, but it was... uh, it was still like super fun tournament. The deck felt really good. The four endurance main was just, you know, such a treat to have uh, all day. So yeah, I'm I'm super happy. Like third place, I got a uh, some store credit, which is perfect for Christmas. Might go there and pick up some some nice swag for me for Victor, yeah. obviously. Obviously, that's great. Obviously. So I mean, ab- about this deck, Alurn. I mean, you you play a lot, and you've been playing it for quite some time, and you always put up good results. So, why do you think it's a relatively unpopular deck, considering the obvious potential that there is? Why isn't this a more played deck? I think there are a lot of components and that can make a deck like this a bit less popular. The number one factor is that it's extremely hard to practice with on Magic Online due to the amounts of clicks and stuff like that. If we just look at paper play, it has some reserve list cards, like not not as many as lands. And price-wise, Blue Red Delver is a much more expensive deck to play. But I think that... A deck like this also is uh, kind of like you have to have a certain type of playstyle to play it mm-hmm. because you're not a control player and you're not really a combo player either. You are sort of a, a mid-rangey player. It's about small incremental value exchanges. You're trying to, to get ahead of the curve. But a lot of the decks can do that without having quote-unquote dead cards. Like like the four-color Cnif deck that uh, beat me in the semis, where like the Allurance could very easily be a Green Sun Cnif for your Uro or uh, your juicy Ramanap Excavator or one of Leovold, you know, yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. that. So I think like to play a deck like this, you really have to have a certain mindset that, as a player. Like you enjoy long games, but uh, you also want to play creatures that has 
you know, uh, a bit weird effects like the cavern harpy, which is uh, one of my favorite creature designs of all time. Like, I just love playing cavern harpy as a fair card also, just picking up an ice fan quattle on turn five, sitting with two mana open. But I, I guess like this, this is a deck that when you do play it, like this is my philosophy for a lot of the decks that I play. And when you play a deck that's a bit niche, but it's not, you know, dead in, a, in any meta. There are times where maybe Delver isn't a good deck to play or Lance or Defentaxis isn't a good deck to play. This is very rarely the case for a deck like this because it's always, you know, not considered to be the top dog to beat. Mm-hmm. But it's also a deck that metas does never has to change around. So for a tournament like this, I can metagame the opposing field much harder than they can meta deck for me it's also always funny when you play an alluren and your opponent picks it up and reads it and then you play the harpy (laughs) and they read that and the you know you see the light go off in their head and they're like oh no this is bad news i've always been fascinated with uh, creature combo decks and whether it's painter food chain or this deck you know having having a creature with a specific effect that just ends the game in a in a way that you know is not combat or it's not the tendrils for ten storm you know it's just like i'm just gonna pick up my creatures a lot and uh, (laughs) there's a charm in that you know and that my friends is all we have for this week if you are looking for a larger paper legacy tournament in sweden might we recommend alara games for seasons legacy tournament on 4th february in trollhättan we will try our very best to attend this tournament and if you like our card art discussions on this here podcast now is a great time to join our discord server because we have cataloged all the cards that we have talked about since we began this segment with the basic land connoisseur panel in our fifth episode the art is all there now for you to look at and we have an art channel for art discussions as well bring your sort of artsy hats and and uh, polo shirts and uh, come 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 join us <laughs> you can find the link in this description for the episode yeah and by and by we victor means that he was a total champ and did this like don't give robin or me any credit this was 100 percent victor being like the total chattiest host ever shout out to scryfall for actually providing sort of easily identifiable uh, relatively high res pictures of all the cards in magic the gathering uh, in addition to the discord you can hit us up on twitter we are at sthlm legacy we're also present personally on social media christopher where can our listeners find you you can hit me up on monolith mtg on twitter and i'm on twitter at disco drogo and that is the end of our 72nd episode of stockholm legacy report thank you christopher Wikström. special thanks to you for listening the great Thrones has written our music you can find more of their work on spotify until our next episode be kind to yourself and those around you including your opponents